Well, good morning. It's been good to worship today. Amen. Would you say thank you to Brother Steve on behalf of the choir and all? What a good morning it's been together. Thank you, Brother Steve. If you have your Bibles, find your place, 1 John chapter 2. And good morning. It's Pastor Mike here with you. And if you're a guest with us here today, I'd love to meet you. We'd love to get to know you. If there's something we can do for you, please let us know. These days, we're looking at a very, very important topic for all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. Recently, we've been talking about hope in God. And by the way, those of you who are joining us online, God bless you. We miss you. And I know there are some who are sick and not able to be with us. And we pray and other reasons why you cannot be. God bless you. We're, we're, we miss you. And we're glad that you still are able to join us today. So I brought this topic up to us as we finish talking about the importance of hope in God. And I hope that you're living and expecting God to bless your life as you follow Jesus Christ. Hope in God is, the, is what puts a spring in our step and gives us victory in the midst of troubles. But now we come to this very, very important topic. And I, uh, we've just started this. We've just uh, looked at this for the last two weeks. And I'm calling this dead to the world based on what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6. When he talks about his own life that he is now crucified with Christ. He says it another way. He says, I'm dead to the world and the world is dead to me. That happened to all of us in this room who followed Jesus Christ. When you were, when you were born again, you were crucified. Your old way of life died. The old you died. And then you came to life. You became a new creature, a new creation in Christ. Last week, on a snowy, snowy Sunday, those of you who are able to be with us or to listen in, uh, if you want to keep up with us, we were talking about Romans chapter 12, another very famous verse or two in God's Word. And it is the first place where we talked about, so what is it? I'm trying to answer this question, Pastor Mike. So how is it that we live in the world, though the Bible says we're dead to the world? What do we do? How do we do this? That's, that's the topic we're trying to cover together. Well, we talked about last week that the first matter of living in the world, dead to the world, is practicing resistance to the world. And I've mentioned to you the world is a, the world system. It is a system controlled and dominated by the God of this world, Satan, and it is based on uh, unbelief and antichrist uh, feelings. There's rejection of Jesus Christ and all things of the world are trapped in a system to hold people in their sins so that they will not be saved. It is a worldly system we're talking about. We're not talking about that you have to wear certain kinds of clothes or live in a, a secluded, sealed up compound. Or, no, we're talking about how we live in this world, but we're not like this world and we're dead to the world. The first thing we do is we resist the world. How do we do that? Romans 12, 1 and 2, we present our bodies in this world. Here's the trap. The world would draw you in to use your body to do sinful things. No, what we do is we resist that worldly way because every day we get up and we present our body a living and holy sacrifice to God. That's our way of resistance. We resist the world by getting up and presenting ourselves to God. And at the same time, every day, transforming and renewing our minds, as Brother Steve mentioned to us from this passage in Romans 12. We're not conformed to the world. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we live in the world with a different mindset. We think about different things. We're not preoccupied with what the world thinks about. And then we do the will of God. Those are, those are the three acts of resistance. 
that every Christian must do if we're going to be dead to the world. I ask you today, are you doing that? Are you doing that? Are you living your life dead to the world by, first of all, presenting yourself to God? Here I am, Lord, use me. Take my body and use me. May I glorify God in my body. Secondly, renew my mind. Get all of this old way of thinking, this worldly thinking out of my mind. And finally, I'm going to do your will in this world. And we'll come back to that today. So then we come to John. These are famous words for many of us who are here today. John chapter number 2. And John the Apostle writes these words. And let's read them together. He's writing to believers just like those of us who have gathered here today. 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day we have together in this place. To celebrate, to sing praise. Oh, how good it is, how sweet it is to be with God's people, experiencing this joy of being together, a sweet, sweet spirit, as we honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and come before the table of the Lord. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would teach us by the Holy Spirit today and may your word find a place in our hearts. Forgive us of our sins so that we might receive your word and live by it and honor you and glorify you in the days we have in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our focus today is this. Here's what we'll focus on in my comments from 1 John 2. Uh, true believers, that is believers in Jesus Christ, are dead to the world. Now we've talked about resisting, now we talk about refusing. We refuse to love the world because we love God. You see, believers in Jesus Christ find their way to live in this world, but not be like the world because not only do we resist the world as I've talked about, but now, listen to me today, we refuse to love the world because we already love someone. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the love of God has, has completely replaced my old desires to love the world. And that's what we want to talk about today. You see, there's a great battle raging in the life of every person in this room. Every person in this world, in fact. It is the battle that rages for whom that person will love. And every one of you in this room today, whether you know it or not, based on what you or who you love, your desires come out of your life. Based on who or what you love, you do certain things in your life. And that's what John is talking about here today. That's what I want to elaborate on today. So perhaps I should ask you this question as we get started. John is very blunt about it in uh, chapter 2, verse 15. Do not, believers, love the world. I ask you today, do you love the world or do you love God? Every person in this room must answer that question. That's the question I'm going to continue to press on you today. 
I want you to know it. I want you to hear it. I want you to think about it. With all the other distractions in your life, with everything else that's going on round about us in the world, all of our priorities, all of the things we have to do, busy, busy, I want to get to your heart. I want to talk about this. To whom have you given your heart? Who has your heart today? Who has your heart today? Who has your affections? You see, who you love is what you think about them. You love people, you think about them. You desire to be with them. You want to be like them. Love is that powerful thing that we must understand. And so today in this room, we are either loving God or we're loving the world. You say, well, Pastor Mike, can't it be a little of both? Well, let's read this verse together. Verse 15. This brings us to the first observation I have for you today. I have three observations. Number one, believers are dead to the world, refusing, refusing to love the world and its things because they love God. This is a simple matter. This is an important matter. You see, it's where your heart is today. It's where your heart is today. You came in here today with your affections and your love set on someone or some set of things. Usually it's someone and then the things that are associated with them. Well, this is true for all of us in this room. Do not love the world, church, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him or her. You cannot, see this is John's point. You cannot love God and love the world. By the way, John uses a very important word. Many of this room are, are well studied. I'm proud of the fact that our church, if I can say it that way, uh, our people are very knowledgeable of God's word. We're seeking to grow in our knowledge. Well, you know that there are several words used in the Old Testament, excuse me, in the New Testament language for love. Well, this is the word agape. Interesting, John would use this word. Do not, verse 15, agape the world, uh, nor the things in the world. Don't agape the things in the world. It goes on. If anyone agapes the world, the agape or love for God, the Father, is not in him. You see, this using this word agape is also a reminder that this word, more than any other word for love in the New Testament language, the Greek language, is a word that has to do with putting sacrifice and, and effort into something in a great way. It is greatly valuing something. It is, as I've already said, giving your heart to something. You know, we have a phrase in English. You put your heart into it. You put your heart into it. What we love, we put our heart into it. What we love, we put our effort into it. Are you putting all of your effort into, the lo into loving the world? Is your great and grand desire to love the world? This is what I want to confront you with today. This is such an important issue. Well, Pastor Mike, this must be just a matter for the people in the world. Well, Paul, as he was finishing his ministry in, the, in, in, his, in his letter to 2 Timothy, in chapter 4, verse 10, writes some very sad words to Timothy about someone who was their associate in ministry. His name was Demas. He writes in... 2 Timothy 4.10, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Demas, whose name appears 
uh, with Paul and some other workers as they were planting churches and doing missionary work. Demas, just like the others, sharing the gospel where they went and preaching and, and discipling others as they made their way. And he was with Paul in his group. But Demas, Demas loved the world. He started out following Jesus. He walked with Paul. He was discipled by Paul. And yet he had a love in his heart that he would not give up. Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. He loved the traditions of the world. He loved the ways of the world. They were so comfortable to him. He loved the worldly wisdom and the worldly teachings and oh, the comforts of the world. He loved the promises of the world. He loved this idea of worldly approval. It seemed to be missing. He loved the idea of worldly riches. He loved the idea of worldly power and authority. He loved worldly fame. You say, how do you know that, Pastor Mike? Well, I'm just, if you love the world and the things of the world, those are the kinds of things you care about. That's what you want. You grow up and you say, I'm going to make a name for myself. Oh, that means that you want to be famous. And now because of technology, everybody can be a star. Everybody can be famous. You can put your name out there, your picture out there. You can tell the world every feeling you have. You can express it and you can be your own star. You can live in fame. That's what some people want. I want to be famous. I don't want to be an unknown. I want to be famous. Or someone says, I, I have, I'm going to be a person with power and authority. I want people to respect me. I want them to serve me. I'm, I'm a source of power and authority. I'm a controller. I'm going to take care of these matters. That's what I want to be. I see these examples in the world and that's what I want to be. Or perhaps I'll just be rich. That'll be the answer to all of my needs. I'll be rich and I'll love money. And as I love money, it will fulfill all of my wishes. I'll have whatever I want to buy. And then because I can have anything I want with my money, I'll be a happy and satisfied person. Or I want someone's approval. I want someone to just like me. I'll do whatever it takes to be liked in the world. This is the sad thing that many of us face in this room. It's what our students must learn to overcome. We do not want the smile of the world. We do not care about the smile of the world and acceptance by the world. Because we love God, we want His smile, His approval, His pleasure in the way we live. Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Demas is not the only one who's come through church history who has deserted the cause of Christ because of their great love for the world, starting out walking with God, loving the Lord Jesus, hearts warm. But as we grow, as the attachments of the world are, are collected in our lives, there starts to be a deadness and a coldness in our hearts. We don't pray like we used to pray. We don't read the word of God. We don't share the gospel. We're too caught up in things that don't really matter. We seek and we pursue these things. But I remind you today that the Lord said the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment we have in the world is that we will love God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, 
all your mind and all your strength. Is that true for you today? Do you love God or do you love the world? John says it. I'll say it again. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, you cannot love God. Don't say that you love God if you love the world. And because we have first been loved. This is so wonderful. John in this very letter reminds us in 1 John 4.19. We love God and others because he first loved us. Oh, think of it today. I live in the world loved by God who sent the Lord Jesus Christ so that I might be saved and the love of God is for me in all of my conditions. How can I not love God? How can I love anything else, anything in this world? Nothing can compare to the love of God for me. So I love him who has first loved me. I ask you today, do you love the world or do you love God? Secondly, we look at God's word and we see in verse number 16, believers are dead to the world, refusing to love what is not from God because they love what God gives them, the gifts of God. This is the way John describes it in 16. It's a very famous verse also. We know these famous verses, but it's important for us to take them and place them in our hearts and ask if these things are true for us, for all that's in the world. Okay, John, what's in the world? He, com he, com he summarizes into a very clean a description what is in the world. What is in this world system that we're talking about that we're to be dead of? Well, it's, it's the lust of the flesh. It's desires. It's, it's passions. It's affections for flesh. For fleshly pleasure. It's craving physical pleasures. That's what's in the world. And there's a whole lot of things that will feed fleshly desires and pleasures. We go on to see that John says it's the lust of the eyes. I call this their, their sight desires. You see it. You know little children. They see things. Their eyes dart here and dart there. They, they see that. They go over and play with that. They see this shiny thing. They go over here and play with that. They run over here and they hear this and they see that and they want it. That's why the Lord Jesus reminds us in a very graphic way, if we're followers of Jesus, what we must do with our eyes. He says, be careful, be careful. If your eye sees it, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Is he saying, take and pull your eye out? No, he's reminding us, beware of what you look at. Beware of what you set your eyes on. Beware of what your eyes are set, are set on when you're in that private place and you don't think anybody knows what you're looking at. Remember that God sees what you are seeing. Oh, here's the world. The world is filled with desire for fleshly satisfaction. Satisfy my flesh. I've just said to you, Paul says, here's what you do with your body. You give it to God as a living sacrifice and you die to those old worldly pleasures. You don't live as a slave to them anymore. You don't submit your body to godless ways of living and use your body for godless ways of living. You don't look at things that feed these desires. And of course, the grand and great and glorious of all these is pride and arrogance. 
Why is there such trouble? Why is there such difficulty in families? Why is there such trouble and difficulty in the world? And sadly, what happens? The same happens in the church. Pride and arrogance. Oh, the sadness of it. The sadness of pride and arrogance. Well, all of these things, all of these things are from the world. They're not from God. If you're living as an arrogant person here today, that's not from God. That's not given to you from God. If there's arrogance and if there is a desire in your life to live as a proud man or woman, you're going to stand and be independent. You don't care what anybody else thinks. If you're living in that kind of condition, if you desire to satisfy your flesh first, regardless of the cost, and it doesn't matter what you look at, you love the world. You love the world and the things that are in the world. But you see, he goes on and reminds us in 16 that the things in the world are not from the Father, they're from the world. So what does the Lord do? He gives us, He gives us in the middle of the world some wonderful things. James said it this way, Every good thing, every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variance or shifting shadow. You see the treasures... And pleasures of this world, listen to me, the treasures and pleasures promised you in this worldly system cannot compare to the treasures and pleasures of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. Oh, that I could, oh, that I could desire that you would experience in your life a greater experience of the pleasures, the spiritual pleasures that come with knowing Jesus Christ, they, they rise far above any pleasures that you will ever experience in this world. Those are the, the gift of salvation, forgiveness, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, fellowship with God's people, the sweetness of the peace of God in your life, rest in God, trusting God, the presence of God. I could go on His mercy, His grace, all oh, the pleasures that are ours in knowing Him. And when I love God in this world, I look past the emptiness and the promises and the facade of the world beckoning me. And I say, I already have one I love. I already have one to whom I've given my heart. And His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what He gives, the world will never give you. And the sooner you learn that as a young person, the better you will be in serving God. And one last thing, believers are dead to the world. We refuse what is passing away because of what God has given us that is eternal. You see, we are eternal ones who are saved eternal ones living in this world that's going away. You know, you read biographies of famous people. You listen uh, watch documentaries about famous individuals who've done all of these things in the past. Where is it now? Where is it now? It's gone. It's passed away. It's passed away. It passes away with every generation who chases the world. They chase the world. So all the archaeologists dig up all of, all of Herod's buildings. He was a builder in the Middle East in the time of the Lord Jesus. And the apostles, Herod, famous for all of his buildings. Where's Herod? He's gone. The sands of time blow across the rubbles. Where's all of the fame of Egypt? Where's the fame of Babylon? Where's the fame of these ancient kingdoms? The world passes away, glittering for a while. And finally, moss 
rust, moths, decay and destroy it. Is that what you would set your life on? You would set your life on that which is passing away? 1 John 2.17, the world is passing away. It's soon to pass and it doesn't last. You have to continue to do more and more to yourself in the world to try to gain satisfaction. That's the sad thing. And one who truly knew, now listen to me, one who truly knew about what it was like to live in the world, his name was Solomon. He wrote an entire book in the Bible, in the book of Ecclesiastes, talking about life under the sun. Don't drift. Listen to me. Here's what he said. Ecclesiastes 1.14. Here was a rich man. Here was a powerful man. Here was a man who could have or do anything he desired. I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. You chase the wind when you love the world. You'll never find satisfaction. Your, your hands will always be empty. You'll be grasping for more, but you'll never have it. You'll never have satisfaction. You'll live without peace because you have chosen to love the world. You see, believers are those, look at 17. The world is passing away. Its desires don't last it all is temporary, but the one who does God's will. Here we are again now. John saying the same as Paul. The one who does the will of God lives forever. Eternal life is ours in Jesus Christ. John says in 1 John 2.5, Whoever keeps his word, whoever obeys God's word in the world, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. You want to know that you are in Christ? You want to know that you love God? Then do what God tells you to do in the world. That's right, in the world. That means that you'll stand out. You don't have to put on different clothes to stand out. You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to dress a different way or try to live and hide out. You see, as you live in the world and you follow Jesus and you do the will of God and you forsake the, the desires of the world and you, you walk away from all of these vain, empty promises of the world, you'll already be looked at as different and unique. You are the salt and the light of the, of the world as a believer. And the reality is that because of this, we are those who live forever and know Jesus Christ. We have experienced eternal life. And eternal life now gives us victory in this world as we make our way to our glorious home in heaven. Listen to, the, listen to John's words. The world is passing away and it's lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Pastor Mike, what do I do? How do I live dead to the world? Do the will of God. Do the will of God every day of your life. Do the will of God. Do not be conformed. Present your body a holy living sacrifice to God. Renew your mind. The world says corrupt your mind. Renew your mind around the truth of God's word. Live and do the will of God at your job. Live and do the will of God in your marriage. Live and do the will of God in bringing up your children and grandchildren and all of the rest of your grands. Do the will of God in your personal life and share the gospel as we have been commanded and make disciples. 
This is what we do in the world. We're not trying to gain the world's applause. We're not trying to pull them in by some kind of trick. They're always going to be in opposition to what you say and do as a believer. The world system is completely contrary to the truths of God. Get used to it. Get ready for it. And today remember this. If you love the world, you don't love God. And if you love the world, you live off of the lusts of your flesh and the lust of your eyes, and you live in pride and arrogance. Those are not from God the Father. When He saves us, He gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, tenderheartedness. There is no pride. There is no arrogance in the soul of the saved. We crucify that. We get rid of it when it comes up in our life. That's what the world teaches you. Be proud. Be arrogant. Be your own person. Be independent. No. Submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and become a slave of God for the rest of your life. So what do we remember today as we finish? Loving the world and loving God are impossible. Loving the world and love... You're either loving God today or loving the world. We come to the Lord's table today. We come to remember what He has done for us. How can, I, how can I say that I'm going to love the world when I know what Jesus Christ has done so that I might have eternal life? Loving the world and loving God are impossible. The Lord Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount. You cannot serve God in wealth. It won't happen. If you're serving your wealth, you love it. You don't love God. You don't love God. Or put whatever else you want in there besides wealth. Fame, reputation, power, authority, other things. The second thing I would remind you of is that loving God kills the desire for the world. How am I going to, how am I going to make it in this world? I've got to live in the world where well, you see God's love for us and our love for God overpowers any love I would have for the world. As I am in this relationship of meeting with God, I was saying this to the group that I talk with on Wednesday nights. In Exodus 20, we come to Exodus 20, the great giving of the law of God. What is it? Israel comes to the mountain and meets God, and God comes and meets Israel at the mountain. You know what this is all about here today? This, in the old days, they called the church house the meeting house. Meeting who? Your buddies? No, meeting God. Together is God's people. This is what we do in this place. We meet God. We meet Him. And as we meet Him in love and in our relationship, the things of the world, what our songs say, become strangely dim. They, are, they fade away. They're not important like they once were. The things of the world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. You see, God, God lovers hate the sinful desires of the world. They hate them because they love God. I love God so much, I am not going to commit myself to do those things that would dishonor my God. And loving God and doing His will in this temporary world is your duty. It is your duty. It's not an option if you think you really want to be a spiritual Christian. No. If you are truly a follower of Jesus, it is your duty. It is your obligation all the time that you live in this world to put God first. Love the Lord your God and obey Him. The Lord Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, 
with all of this said, how do we use this in our lives this week? Well, again, I'm asking you the question, do you love the world or do you love God? Do you love the world? You're going to leave this place. We're about over with you. You've about heard all you need to hear. You've listened to the word of God. You've read it. You've given it consideration. So where's your heart today? Where's your heart today? I'm not asking you where, to judge where somebody else's heart is today. Sitting by you or the one speaking to you. I'm asking you to evaluate your own personal life. Do you love God or do you love the world? You must determine that in order for you to live victorious in the world. Are you trusting the world's ways? Do you really believe that the world's going to come through for you? Well, if you love the world, that's what you believe. But if you love God, you know that if you trust the Lord, things will be taken care of. God will take care of what He needs to in your life. He will do His will in your life. So we die to the world and we love God and we live for Him in this temporary world to the praise and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remind this church again today, the Lord Jesus, He is near. He is at the door. He is coming again. Come, Lord Jesus.